Welcome to part three of Supreme Blessedness. Uh, it's a teaching on the Beatitudes where Jesus talks about nine groups of people who are blessed. And one of the Greek definitions of the word blessed is Supreme Blessedness. And I thought that'd be a great name for this series. Um, and it's just awesome that God wants us supremely blessed. The Beatitudes are at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, and it's in Matthew uh, chapters 5 through 7. So, so far we've covered, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And I've covered uh, both of those in the previous two sessions, and they're so interesting and um, it's interesting to find out what Jesus was really talking about. And you can learn so much about that. So today I want to ask you a question. How many of you would like to get a really, really, really big inheritance? I think we would all say yes. But I always thought that that question was kind of morbid because it usually meant someone really close to you died. So I thought that was always kind of a morbid question. But Jesus actually promised a certain group of people one of the biggest inheritances you could ever even imagine. So let's go to Matthew um, chapter 5, verse 4. It says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, I have to tell you that these were all of these statements that Jesus said were really, really tough statements for the disciples because they were looking for a savior, but the kind of savior and, and redeemer that they were looking for was not what they got. They were, they had in their minds and in their teachings and, and what they had built up was uh, a victor, a king, a political hero, uh, a military hero, someone who was going to overthrow the Romans and, and reestablish the Israelites as, to their, to their, uh, to their nation status and to their to their land and and they thought he was going to be a conquering hero and everything and then Jesus comes along and says blessed are the meek and that just didn't jive with their philosophy of what what their hero is going to be like and that happens a lot in our current day in uh who we think who we think our our heroes should be in the Christian church we want people uh, that are our political heroes or our victors are going to take over our country, but we, we're, we're not really looking at things the way that Jesus looks at them. Jesus said, blessed are the meek. And the word meek here doesn't we, mean weak or mild. Um, it doesn't have the same meaning as a lot of times we get, get in our head. In Matthew, the 11th chapter, the 28th verse, it says, come unto me. And Jesus is saying this, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your soul, unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we see here that Jesus himself, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Redeemer of the universe, Jesus calls himself meek. And what the definition of meek is, means to be controlled and balanced. Getting angry at the right things at the right time, such as injustice in the world. It is power under control, 
It means being submissive to someone greater than ourselves, like a spirited racehorse submissive to its trainer. The Bible calls uh, Moses the meekest man on earth. Even though he stood up to Pharaoh, God used him to deliver the Israelites. He parted the Red Sea. God gave the law to him, and he led two and a half million people through the desert. So God calls him meek, but he did mighty, mighty things. Um, you know, we, we've seen that arrogant and power-seeking uh, people attempt to inherit the earth. And we can think of people like Hitler and Stalin, Mussolini, Napoleon, the whole Roman Empire. Um, we can also see this in our human relationships, like people in our family or our jobs, in our neighborhoods, in our churches, in government, people that are power-seeking. But meek people aren't power-seeking people. Um, and when I, you know, I talked earlier about in our inheritance, you know, an inheritance comes through the death of someone. In this case, our inheritance comes through the death of our own will and being joyfully submitted to the will of God. As Christians, we're instructed in submission and we are to submit to God. And when we're meek, we're submitted to God. In James 4, 7, it says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. And in families, in our family lives, the Bible tells wives to be submitted to their husbands, children to be submitted to their parents. We're to be submitted to the authorities over us. In church, we're to be submitted to our spiritual leaders. And a sure test of meekness is how we react when a good, healthy person in authority Ask us to do something we don't want to do. If we're, if we're not going to do it, we show that we are not meek. And Jesus told us uh, to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if we want God's will to be done on uh, this earth as it is in heaven, and if we want God's will to be done in our life as it is in heaven, then we're going to have to be meek and submit to God's will. And God promises us if that we're meek, we will inherit the earth. Isn't that awesome? That is a big inheritance, I would say. Now let's go to the next one. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. In this beatitude, there's a shift. Uh, you know, we saw in the first three, the poor in the spirit, the mourning, the meekness, you know, it's kind of negatives that came before positives. And here we see something different. There's more of a positive thing. Um, actually, this is one of the greatest promises in the whole Bible. It talks about um, our hunger and thirst for God, that, that God will fill that. He, he shows us a way of attaining uh, approval before God. Um that if we're so hungry and so thirsty for God, that he'll fill us with the righteousness that we need. Um, we can be filled with righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. The word hunger and thirst, words hunger and thirst here, uh, are used by Jesus and they bear a real special significance. It's not the kind of hunger and thirst that we uh, feel here in the United States. 
Um, it's not the kind of hunger and thirst that you would feel if you hadn't eaten even for a whole day. It's the kind of hunger and thirst that desperate people feel who are starving to death for lack of food or drink. It's people who are underfed and malnourished. To be hungry for God is not enough. We must be starving for righteousness. We must be starving for righteousness. He was Jesus was speaking to people who understood hunger and thirst. You know, if we're hungry, we just go to the pantry or go to the refrigerator. Or, you know, we can drive by. There's hundreds of, of stores and restaurants and quick quick trips and, and gas stations that we can can, you know, just run into and get basically whatever we want to eat. And if we're thirsty, all we have to do is go to, you know, a sink and get a glass of water. But in, the people that Jesus was speaking to were not able to do that. They depended on wells and they had to walk to the well with a container to get water. Uh, they lived in an arid climate and they were not able to always quench their thirst. And food was not always plentiful. In that day, they usually only ate meat once a week. Um, when we think about hunger, when I think about hunger, I think about like uh, Holocaust victims. You know, when they were in the concentration camps, they were not fed very well at all. And so they would eat anything that they could find. They ate, ate bugs, <clears throat> they ate grass, they ate dirt, and even worse things than that. They ate things that you could, can't even imagine. And when they were liberated, the prisoners, actually a lot of them went crazy, raiding the camp <clears throat> for any speck of food that they could find. And that's the kind of hunger and thirst that Jesus is talking about. It's, it's one of the most powerful driving forces known to mankind. And that's the way Jesus is talking about that should, should be the hunger and thirst that we have in our spiritual lives. That's how hungry and thirsty that we should be for righteousness, for being right with God, for having a right standing before God. You know, the whole world is seeking to fill their spiritual hunger and thirst with, with happiness. And we should never seek happiness. True happiness only comes as a result of seeking God. If we're putting seeking happiness or our own happiness before God, we will never really get happy. You know, mankind tries to fill that hunger and, and emptiness with, with relationships or with food or with entertainment or with buying things, getting more things, um, with different kinds of pleasure. But that emptiness on the inside of us can only be filled with the Lord Jesus Christ, with the re relationship with the Lord. You know, this that kind of hunger that Jesus is talking about is what brought the prodigal son home. In Luke 15, it says that he was eating husks that were fed to the pigs. He was so hungry that he repented and came back to his father. Um, just, you know, as my physical body must have food to survive, my spiritual body must be sustained by, by the life of Christ and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. In Psalm 42, um, it says, as the heart pants and longs for water brooks, 
So I pant and long for you, O God. My inner self thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? In Psalm 63, it says, O God, you are my God. I earnestly seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and weary land there, where there is no water. In Psalm 107, it says, For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. In, some, in John 6.35, it says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never go thirsty. Sim simply said, to hunger and thirst after righteousness is to desire to be free from self, in all its selfishness and to be full of God and all his love and all his holiness. So I'm hungry for God. I'm thirsty for God. I want to be filled with God more than anything else. How about you? And God promises us that if we're hungry and thirsty for him, that we will be filled. And I'm glad about that. So as we've, um, just to summarize the first four Beatitudes, um, we are supremely blessed when we understand that we are in absolute spiritual poverty without the Lord, when we mourn because of our sin and the sins of our society, when we're meek and we submit ourselves to God and his will, and we are when we are desperately hungry and thirsty for being in a relationship right relationship with God. We have the kingdom of heaven. When we do these things, we have the kingdom of heaven. We'll be comforted and we will inherit the earth and be filled. And that's an awesome deal, don't you think? So next week, we're going to talk about some more Beatitudes, some more ways that God says we will be supremely blessed. And I'm looking forward to it. So I'll see you then. Bye-bye.